Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus back in on the emerging markets as we will examine the challenges that face the asset class and how investors can position accordingly. So joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Alejo, good morning to you. Welcome back. Looking forward to our conversation today. Good morning, Dan. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. So, Alejo, it's great to be with you this morning. I know as we do on a monthly basis, we like to spend some time discussing the monthly flagship publication, which your team produces, Investing in Emerging Markets. And for this coming month, October, the title is Keep Your Eye on the Ball. Uh, By the way, for our listeners, our clients of UBS, you can now locate the publication up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Though, Alejo, within that recent publication, again, investing in emerging markets, keep your eye on the ball, you do highlight that emerging markets are facing a number of headwinds. So to start things off, can you sum these up for us? Certainly, Dan. I think the elephant in the room is is, uh, China, of course, right? And uh, the reality with respect to economic conditions in the second largest economy in the world is that the uh, growth outlook has become a bit less promising, at least over the next few months. We've seen that uh, export growth, industrial production, the manufacturing sector have been doing quite well in China. But at the same time, uh, the uh, consumer and services sector has been suffering from uh, some additional uh, pressure from COVID uh, in a country that is still adopting a very harsh Uh, zero-tolerance policy, in addition to a number of damaging floods that took place in in the country in in recent weeks. So, um, first off, economic activity out of China coming in a little weaker than than expected. Uh, And uh, second of all, regulation in in the country is changing. Uh, Policymakers in China are moving towards their common prosperity goals, And in the last month alone, new rules have applied to sectors such as gaming, gambling, cryptocurrencies, and car hailing services, to name a few. Uh, And no discussion on China today is complete without making reference to Evergrande, one of the largest property developers in the country that is having some some troubles making uh, full uh, payment to, to debt obligations. Uh, we do think this is a serious matter for the company. This is a serious matter for holders of debt uh, of the company. But at the same time, we do not think this is a systemic uh, risk to the to the uh, Chinese economy. This is not your typical emerging market debt crisis. Uh, the Evergrande problem and the China debt problem uh, more more broadly is a local currency one in the hands of, uh, by and large, the locals, right? And in this regard, we do think China has ample fiscal and monetary levers to pull uh, and, and make this process a relatively relatively smooth one. So first headwind, uh, um, Dan, let me just summarize uh, really quickly. China, slowing growth, continued regulatory changes, and, and of course, the ever Evergrande uh, concerns. Uh, in, in addition to that, looking beyond China, the 
reopening process of economies in the emerging world continues, yet the pace has cooled off. Um, and even though we see more moderate uh, macroeconomic growth dynamics, inflation remains quite high. Um, and interestingly, a number of emerging market central banks have been hiking interest rates in their domestic economies, which is uh, pouring some cold water, some additional cold water on, on their recovery. And lastly, then, uh, not only are domestic financial conditions becoming a bit more tight in emerging markets, but external financial conditions are also becoming a bit less favorable with the Fed uh, sending clear signals that the tapering of its quantitative easing program will be kicked off uh, by the turn of the year. So I think when we all we, we put all this together, we conclude that the home stretch of 2021 is unlikely to be smooth for, for emerging markets considering uh, these headwinds. Okay, so considering these challenges, and there is a range of them, China being at the forefront, as you pointed out for us, Alejo, how should investors now position in the emerging market equities? It's interesting because uh, many of the things we discussed are already at least partially priced into emerging market equities. Uh, their performance has lagged that of developed markets. And when you look at an indicator such as a, a price earnings ratio looking 12 months uh, out, right? A, a forward uh, 12 month price earnings ratio. Uh, EM equities are trading at a deep discount to the S&P 500. So deep indeed that historically, whenever you saw this discount levels, uh, emerging market equities tended to outperform six to 12 months out. So if you add to this, uh, the expectation of fairly robust earnings growth uh, by corporations in, in the emerging world, uh, we do think that the overall trend for emerging market equities is upwards. And, and we think this is a great portfolio diversifier that uh, justifies a, a neutral allocation. So by and large, at the asset class level, we, we remain neutral despite the challenges in part given the valuations and in part given uh, the robust earnings growth that corporations seem able to deliver in coming months. Uh, within emerging market equities, uh, it just closed a preference for value stocks uh, over the broader emerging market cons, uh, um, cons uh, the emerging market uh, universe. This preference has done quite well since late 2020, an outperformance by emerging market value stocks of over 7.5%. Um, and now we think the environment uh, justifies taking profits on, on that call. Uh, we also just closed a most preferred recommendation on Indian stocks. Uh, this has done very well with Indian stocks up 30% in US dollars so far this year compared with roughly flat performance for emerging market equities at large. Uh, we do maintain within emerging markets, a preference for uh, stocks that are leading in the adoption of environmental, social, and governance standards, ESG stocks. Uh, this is a clear preference that, that we maintain. So um, summing it all up, then we are neutral emerging market equities at the asset class level with a preference for ESG-related stocks. 
That covers equities, and thank you for walking us through CIO's current thinking there, Alejo. If we turn to the other side of the asset allocation table, talk about fixed income for a few moments. Again, given the risks that you highlighted for us, those considerations at the top of the conversation, how should emerging market bond investors think about positioning right now? Taking a step back in terms of the outlook for fixed income securities broadly, we are facing an environment of depressed benchmark rates, and pretty low risk premiums, which uh, seems to indicate to us that uh, generating total returns when it comes to global fixed income is going to be uh, difficult, right? Uh, I think the last week serves as a clear illustration of the pain that uh, many fixed income segments can experience in, in this environment. The U.S. 10-year Treasury rate moved quite sharply from 1.3% to 1.5%, leading to uh, you know negative returns for a large portion of the global fixed income universe over the last uh, over the last seven days. And the reality then is emerging markets uh, cannot ex- escape this this reality, right? Uh, we do have uh, decent interest rates on offer by emerging market bonds. When you take dollar-denominated emerging market sovereign bonds, you can uh, pick up a yearly average interest rate of 5.1%. This is uh, nothing to be sneezed at. But at the same time, if we were to see U.S. 10-year Treasury rates move up by an additional 65 basis points, this would wipe out a year's worth of carry of this asset class. So uh, when we put it all together, uh, we also think a neutral allocation to emerging market bonds makes sense. Um, and uh, investors can take advantage of specific opportunities within the, the asset class, such as uh, you know those present in a number of Latin American corporate and sovereign bonds. Well, Alejo, thank you for dropping by top of the morning today. Very much appreciate the clarity with respect to the risk considerations that investors, our clients, should be mindful of in the months ahead and how to think about positioning their portfolios accordingly. So always great catching up, Alejo, and we'll look forward to picking back up with the Emerging Markets conversation again next month. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Alejo. Again, today we've been joined by Alejo Zawanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and their listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the publication which Alejo has been citing during our conversation today, the monthly Investing in Emerging Markets flagship, a title for the month of October, again, is Keep Your Eye on the Ball. For clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you have any questions based on what you've heard from Alejo today, or if you would like to receive a copy of this publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.